got a question, the voices are rising, I hear. Oh, plastics. Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Skidmore, and I'd like to share with you SPE Certificate in Leadership. In this program, participants learn about essential leadership and management principles, such as organizational culture, financial intelligence, strategic planning, innovation, and more. They learn how to apply strategies and tools to their team, their department, and organization. This program is unique because participants will be learning alongside a cohort of other folks within the plastics industry this virtual offering. I invite you to visit 4SPE.org to learn more about the certificate in leadership and to apply for an upcoming cohort. Hi, look at you and your background. You got a 3D printer. You got all the cool stuff. Yeah, for anybody who's listening today and can't see me, I am. Uh, I have a, one of my 3D printers in the background here. And just um, Take my word for it. it. It looks cool back there. <laughs> so I'm Lindsay Nebel. And I'm Mercedes Landazri, and with our powers combined, we are Plastics, the Voices of Resin. That's us, and we have a podcast that is going to be really exciting for you today. Um, if you want to catch our episodes, they come out the first Friday of every month on all the podcast platforms. You can just look up Plastics, no I in between, feel the need to put that in there. Um, and you can catch us on Instagram, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, and maybe one day TikTok, unless they ban it, then no TikTok. So <laughs> we keep talking about putting together a TikTok, but yeah, it's, at this point, it's called manifesting. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so today with us, and one of the reasons why I moved my 3D printer in the background here is we have two very special guests. They are uh, not typically in the United States, though, uh, though one of them happens to be in my, uh, my town here of Chicago today. So we'd like to welcome on Alexandre Martel and Filippos Volpiotis to the podcast today. So Alexandre is one of the founders of 3D Natives and Filippos is the chief uh, business officer. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Lindsay, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, so we were really excited and, you know, we'll get to kind of part of this later, but as the recent news has announced, you know, SPE has acquired 3D Natives. There's a lot of really great stuff between our companies. And like I said, I don't want to get too far into it right off the bat. So let's start from the ground up. Tell us about 3D Natives. Give us a little background on the history of the company. Sure thing. Alex, you want to give it a go? Sure. Well, where do I start? Well, Free Native is um, the go-to platform for professionals um, for the in the AM industry, in the 3D printing industry. So professionals come to our website to learn more about uh, you know the latest trends, uh, the, the recent product launch, to read about the latest application that happened in the market, to hear about how this company or that company has been is innovating with uh, with this technology. We have a content team that is based in, in France uh, that is producing daily news uh, on this very specific technology that is 3D printing. We are trying to cover, you know, all, all verticals from medical to automotive, aerospace, but also all the parts of the AM value chain. So from machine manufacturers to material suppliers, uh, but, also, but also software companies. 
on 3D Native, you will also find tools for people from the industry that are looking either uh, to find a, a job uh, through uh, our job board that will be looking for a specific company again from this uh, from the 3D printing value chain. So typically someone looking for a service bureau uh, in your region for a training company. Could be also someone looking for a specific event in their region. Well, we, we are trying to, you know, to come up with basically everything that is happening in, in, in our industry. A few years ago, we also launch a comparison engine, which uh, has become uh, extremely popular, where, again, users uh, can connect and find the right equipment, the right 3D printer, based on their needs, based on their budget, uh, on the material they want to print with, on the size of the parts they want to manufacture, etc., etc. And as of today, 3D Natives is available in five languages, English, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. Wonderful. And you guys just celebrated a pretty big birthday about a month ago, right? Kind of. We haven't really celebrated. We have to do something, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, we were talking about it, actually. We need to do something because indeed the website was created 10 years ago, though the company was uh, officially uh, created in 2014. But no, we'll definitely have a big party this year. Wonderful, wonderful. And hopefully there's a virtual component where we and other SPE members can join as well. We love a good party. We love a party. Yeah. We can virtually make some cocktails in the metaphor. Absolutely. <laughs> I think at this stage, we've committed to it, Alex. We need to build something where everyone can join. Mm -hmm. Listen, we're in. <laughs> Virtual drinks it is. Yes. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so, Alex, you, you are one of the co-founders. So tell us about your specific background and, and how and why you formed 3D Natives. With pleasure. So I've done a few back and forth before launching 3 Natives. Initially, I've got a background in applied mathematics and started my career in finance in England. Uh, then I moved to online marketing and to, to an e-commerce business. Uh, on my last experience before launching 3 Natives, I was working actually for a furniture and home accessories company where I was in direct contact with product designers. And those guys showed me for the first time what was a 3D printer, which I think at the time we didn't call a 3D printer. But yeah, it was the first time, you know, I could really put an image on what it was, what's, what's the 3D printing process. And I came back home after that, I remember, and I couldn't find you know, proper information about it. This was back in 2011, 2012. And so following discussion with uh, those designers, with professionals that were uh, working on this uh, technology in France at the time, but also, you know, with the user, with the early adopters. So it was 10 years ago, uh, the early adopters of this technology. Uh, well, I started to have discussion and there was clearly a, a need for um, a platform where you could go and find this information, what is 3D printing, who are the big players out there, uh, how can you 3D print? So I started 3 Natives with the simple idea that uh, to, to create an online platform to learn everything you could need about 3D printing. So I quickly launched the website and uh, which ended up to be one of the most influential uh, in our market as of today. Wonderful. No, no big deal. Just I created the most influential website. For the, one of the most disruptive technologies out there, <laughs> and certainly in our industry, right? And Filippos, you have been involved in 3D Natives for about four and a half years, is that correct? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, and you, you, so you studied, um, if I'm correct, you studied business and economics and then went into some retail management. How did you get on board with 3D Natives? <laughs> uh, it's an interesting, interesting story. Uh, yeah, I did international business and economics. I, I studied in the Netherlands and then in the UK. And uh, in the UK, I was working for a manufacturing business. Uh, 
for RVs, for motorhomes, caravans, and so on, which was very interesting because I was leading the retail front and, you know, there was a lot to learn there and a very interesting industry overall, but it wasn't really tech per se. And this is something that personally I find very interesting. I was always very passionate about technologies, let alone new technologies and their impact on how, you know, they're changing the world and what does tomorrow look like and so on. And, you know, when you think of what does tomorrow look like, well, 3D printing is very much, you know, part of that conversation. It's a very disruptive family of technologies. So I, I had this, you know, inner calling that it's time to move into something a lot more tech focused. And that's around the time where I met Alex. And uh, Alex at the time was running 3D Natives, which was a tremendously interesting, full of potential, you know, platform and company. And we said, hey, how about we work together to 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 see how we can take this to the next level. That was, as you said, roughly four and a half years ago. And well, frankly, we started working together then. And you know, the rest is history. Since then, 3D Natives has grown substantially. And and Alex is pretty humble in his description of 3D <laughs> Natives. I mean, I, I don't mean to pat ourselves on the back here, but it's true that you know 3D Natives has really become the one-stop shop for for anything 3D printing or 3D technologies rather, you know, related. And we take that with pride. But at the same time, you know, we also see the responsibility in this because obviously we play a role in society. There are thousands of professionals out there that come to our platform in order to learn, educate themselves, etc. So, you know, there is the fun side of talking about the numbers and how, uh, you know, well everything has developed too. But, you know, there is the other side of the really hard work and sense of responsibility that we're happy to do and is always there. Mm -hmm. The name is absolutely fantastic. Thinking about when the company was born and, and how kids today right my i have two children now they're 12 and 14 but you know the, i got this 3d printer as a christmas gift well to myself and to them <laughs> you, know, they, you know and i came to find out that, that my son had already been 3d printing in in school and he helped my daughter learn and she was doing her own cad designs and it blew my mind so so really the generation growing up now will truly be 3d natives right so so congrats on a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful title for the company and Thank I really, you. I really like the perspective that both of you kind of came not as, you know, 3D professionals looking for something to fulfill a void, but people saying this would fulfill a void for 3D professionals. And on your website, I know that it also, you know, you're not just catering to the the, the 3D professionals that are at AMUG or whatever, you know, you are also catering to the, the casual interested learner. I know when I, you know, was first learning about you guys. I was talking to my boss who's like super 3D hobby enthusiast. And I was like, yeah, he was talking about material. And he's like, I was reading and I think, I think I'm gonna go with this material because it's better than the other one. And I was like, oh, wow, like you really caught up. And he's like, yeah, I've been using this website. He's like, here, I'll send it to you. And it was 3D natives. And I was like, well, <laughs> that is convenient. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's spanning that whole gap of people who are doing this professionally, people who should be doing this professionally, people who are interested casually. And I, I don't think a lot of, I think a lot of the rest of the plastics industry in general kind of is more protective of their intellectual property, if you will. And they don't want to share it with the casual learner. And I feel like this is a really good example of why that's so beneficial. Mm -hmm. 
You make a very good point here, Lindsay, because often, you know, the thing that we've identified is people might be very much interested in doing something either on a personal level or simply because it solves a problem of their business and therefore would make you know their life easier. But the only thing that doesn't let them actually do it is access to information. And, you know, this is very much at the core of our mission. We need to have these stories told so that people can make their decisions. It is not for us to be involved in decision-making whatsoever, but we feel the responsibility of giving them access to, hey, what's happening out there? And today, we, we just closed 2022, where 3D Natives averaged 1.2 million people coming on the platform, which means that, well, this is a number far bigger than just people in the 3D printing industry. This means uh, there is a big percentage out there of people who are just, you know, picking through the door and want to see, hey, what's happening there? You know, is there a solution that can solve my problem? Is there something that if I learn more about, I can do things in a better or faster or cheaper way or whatever the, you know, the factor of differentiation might be? And to that, you know, our answer is let's let's try to give voice to everyone. You know, if there is a technology, material, an application out there that can make your life better, great. Then at least let's make sure that you know about it. And then whether you adopt it or not, that's, you know, that's for you to decide. But at least you know about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think by, you know, you're mentioning there's more people checking out the platform than there are people in the professional industry for 3D printing. And I think that kind of also lends itself to the fact that 3D printing in general kind of has that cool kid vibe. You know, everybody's interested. And I I always like to call it the gateway into plastics, because if you tell someone like, oh, I'm a plastics engineer, they're like, oh, do you 3D print? And now personally, (laughs) I don't. (laughs) But, you know, obviously, through different avenues, I have access to it. But that's what people either go with recycling, or they go with, you know, 3D printing. And Mm -hmm. so if we're trying to like, go the most positive route, think nine times out of 10, that's additive manufacturing. You know, I think that's where people are going to be really positive. Do you, you know, what's your take on that, that you guys are the the cool kids in the industry? You guys get to sit at the cool kids table. We will let you. I would say, and Alex, feel free to add on that. Uh, I would say it is very much the case of how it is perceived. And let's be honest, it is cool. It, it is really cool. I mean, we, we, there is a reason we have a passion about it and so on. But that's not the full story, you know. And I think we need to, to treat the additive manufacturing industry uh, in a mature way because not every solution is suitable just because it is cool, you know. And uh, this is often a difficult question to answer because it really varies depending on the application and how you're using it, etc. But the fact that the nature of 3D printing has a sustainable philosophy due to the fact that it is additive and therefore doesn't dispose of extra material and the fact that it is trendy. It's a very trendy word and people love to discuss about it. You know, this doesn't paint the full picture. Uh, It very well might be the case. And still, if let's say you mentioned, Lindsay, in your plastic application, you might be better off going with injection molding for whatever reason. So it is my goes, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this goes back a bit to, to the core mission of 3D Natives, which is the decision making is not part of what we, pro- we provide. Access is what we provide. And then through this access, you know, the better you learn uh, about something, the more you know about it, the easier it is for you to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that being said, what do you both think is one of the biggest misconceptions about 3D printing additive manufacturing? Well, actually, that's a very interesting question that we do 
ask a lot to users of this technology through videos we do, through articles. I love this question, actually. On one hand, I think people, I would say, often say that 3D printing is not adapted for their needs, you know, without even testing it, without even having the chance to use it, uh, whether it is because the quality is not there in their opinion, because the, the, the material they the manufacture with can't be 3D printed or the, the size of the part they, they do can't be manufactured. So it's just a lot of, you know, misconception because they, they haven't actually touched or play with this technology. But on the other hand, uh, and in a total opposite way, and it goes a bit back with what we are saying before. A lot of people see it as a very cool technology uh, where they think they can do, they can manufacture anything. And again, it, it goes to the idea that they, they haven't been able to really get their hands into it, test it, uh, adopt it internally. So I think that, yeah, a lot of misconception where actually, you know, if you had the chance to use it through a 3D printer that is your at your office, you know, could be fixed in some way. I'm not that, that old, but I recall that, you know, when internet was born, there was a lot of misconception about how it will impact our lives, uh, how uh, you will never buy something on the web or how you will never buy fresh milk from a website. I'm really convinced that, you know, digital manufacturing, which 3D printing belongs to and is a very strong tool, strong pillar of this digital manufacturing uh, ID, uh, will have a huge impact on the industry. Uh, it might not impact... Uh, you know, the, the business starting tomorrow, but in the short term, it, it could impact, uh, you know, your, the, the supplier of your company or your clients. And so you better be ready for it. So it's this idea of testing, getting your hands into a 3D printer, like Mercedes with a 3D printer uh, in the back. It, it, for me, it's really important for anyone. And let's not forget uh, here, guys, 3D printing as a whole, as an industry, it's still a drop in the ocean compared to the giants of manufacturing altogether. And even though 3D printing has started as early as the 80s, it has really started maturing just in, in, in the last few years. So I think if you look into the history of technologies and the impact they've had on society, the infancy stage that we are currently experiencing, let's not forget for your viewers to know 3D printing altogether, it's always very difficult to track, but it's expected to be around 10 to 15 billion US dollars on an annual basis. You know, if you put that into perspective with injection molding or thermoforming or even non-plastic manufacturing solutions like machining and so on, this is really, really a tiny percentage of, of manufacturing altogether. So many big decisions are to be defined, which the way we translate it is it is very wise for one to, to know and follow and inform themselves about what is happening because these are now the years, this is the era where these big decisions are played out. And if we have the same conversation in 10 years, and I hope we do, uh, in episode uh, 5000 of Plastics. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, by then many things will have solidified and a structure will be much more clear on how things will be. But at the moment, it is, uh, as Alex said, an early internet stage still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting perspective because you know I, I have my degree in plastics engineering. As we started, that was one of the things I started to slowly introduce, and I think we had like one module on it. You know, there there wasn't a lot of conversation about additive manufacturing. Just kind of like here it is, take a look. Mm. Um, and now I know they have like a couple courses on it, and you can actually, if I'm not mistaken. 
I don't know at Penn State, but I know at other schools, you can take like a whole track in additive manufacturing, whether that be just in plastics or plastics and metal or, you know, whatever the material may be. But just even seeing the education around it increase is something I don't know that I envisioned back then. Granted, like I said, they just said, here's a 3D printer. We said, cool. Right. And it, it's it's neat to see, I think just anecdotally, one of the type of companies within the plastics industry that I really saw starting to adopt and embrace this type of technology, they were the mold makers, the tool makers, really, you know, doing the rapid um, metal 3D printing to create molds. We're starting to see, you know, how merging the technology or adding it on, pun intended, right, <laughs> can, can really evolve and revolutionize our current manufacturing practices. You said that 3D Natives is available in five languages. Languages, what which I love as, as a polyglot myself. So I, I ask this kind of a little bit coyly, but what, what does having technical content produced by native speakers matter so much? It's a great question. It, it matters tremendously to us and to our audience. As we said earlier, the, the platform 3D Natives is available in English, French, German, Spanish, and Italian. The way people consume content really differs. And culture is reflected on that. How the average German professional will read an article or will research a certain topic is very much different to how the equivalent Italian person will. And as you can imagine, the the Spanish person learns and informs themselves in a different way than the American person does and so on. So it is not just a matter of the language being translated, the word per word translation simply so that we can overcome the barrier of language. It is very much that reflection of culture within the words. So at 3D Native, we've decided to to take a very difficult path, frankly, uh, but it's a very (laughs) deliberate decision of essentially running five 3D Natives within the 3D Natives umbrella because the English 3D Natives is run by American people, the French by French, the Spanish by Spanish, and so on and so forth. And what this allows us to do is when there are some Paris-related news, they will be on the French website, but not necessarily in the German one. And when there are some New York-related news, they will be in the English one, but not in the Spanish. Uh, So what that means is these communities, these uh, local-based audiences that we have built for their respective languages really get content tailored to themselves. And as a result, the level of engagement that you get from there, you can, you can imagine yourselves, you know, if you, in the way that you consume news, for whatever it might be, if you start hearing about the local politics of the village in the southern part of New Zealand, most of the times, it's not exactly the sort of thing that will influence your day to day. Whilst if it is something that really has an impact on you, your personal or professional life, then obviously you're, you tend to be more engaged to that. So not going to lie, it is definitely the, the difficult path to choose. It, it could be done much easier, but it is very important. And the feedback is is very clear and loud from our audience. Mm-hmm. This is really the way to do it. I, I will add that it is important for our audience, which was the, the primarily uh, reason why we did it. But it also matters to our clients, you know, to be able to reach to the right target, in the right language, with the right wording, etc. That's also very important for them. On top of it, you know, Let's take the example of one international company that can, you know, just uh, reach to us. They are only speaking English and they want to you know, get into France. They want to get into Germany, etc. It's just one person of contact uh, for all their needs. And uh, with the whole team at Renate, you know, thinking about, okay, what we should do for this market, what should we do for this market for them, etc. Yeah. 
It's, uh, it's not only about the audience, it's also about the clients. I love it. I mean, you're, anyone who visits 3D Natives or is a member of the community, right, would be able to toggle, even though they might have a stream really tailored to their native language, they would be available to toggle between the different languages, right? So that's one thing that I see impacting a lot of knowledge sharing and, and knowledge gathering just globally right now is... So, for example, I work in trend forecasting, and a lot of that stuff is in English. And, you know, considering I was, I was talking with one of my colleagues and, and about something that I thought that I was going to see it, but I wasn't seeing it. And we said, we don't even know where to look on for other trend sources. So it's amazing. You're creating something that where it, it really can be global. Are you going to be expanding it to other languages at some point? Are there plans for that? Well, let's hope. Well, you know, there, there are a lot of tools out there that could uh, make it uh, this very easy for us. But again, we are not taking the, the easy way. We are doing it uh, with, uh, again, native people based in our office in France because it matters. It not just uh, some kind of translation. And to answer your question, yes, we'd love to, but we know that it takes time. It's a real community that you are building. It's not only about someone writing it about uh, those news for this specific market. So we need to also, you know, be careful and not launch too many markets, too many languages at the right. same time. Plus on top of this, you know, you, you also need to find the right markets that are mature enough, where you have a lot of application, where you have a lot of players out there. So it's not an easy, you know, I, I couldn't tell you uh, straight away, okay, uh, we'll be launching uh, tomorrow in this new market or this specific market. We'd love to uh, open 10 new languages, but uh, yeah, it's not that easy. Uh, but we'll definitely be working on it. Yeah. And to, to address your comment, Mercedes, because uh, actually you made a very good point related to trends, right? Because different countries and different markets tend to be interested in different things. So for example, you know, perhaps, and this is just a random example, but perhaps people in the Spanish manufacturing sector are more interested in automotive applications, whilst people in the Italian market might be more interested in dental applications and so on. All these trends are reflected through our research. The way that we manage and produce content related to these markets, there is a rather sophisticated formula behind it based on what people are searching. The search engine optimization knowledge is very much at the core of our strategy on how we create content. Because if people are searching for keywords, are interested in medical related things and so on, well, then, you know, uh, that's very clear. Our mission has been defined. We need to make sure that we, we produce medical related content because that's what people are interested in. Uh, and, you know, that's something that we see because it's really different. It's not a one size fits all. It needs to be customizable. And that is really what uh, has built and has allowed us to say we have a loyal community because these people really get the stuff that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And wow. kind of building on the, you know, the fact that you guys take this like careful approach into creating your content and like building this community, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to swing back into the, the meat and potatoes of why we're here. You know, <laughs> SPE, our two biggest pillars are, you know, content, sharing and networking. And I think we found a really good partner in you guys. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about what went into this this acquisition? Sure thing. Do you have 20 hours? <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the slightly shorter version. <laughs> well, no, it has. we've been um, super happy about this news. It's, um, you know, it's some discussion that started almost a year ago now, where I think we were at the stage where we needed a partner like SPE because with Filippos, with other members, 
of the team, we had, we have, we still have thousands of ideas every day. And at some point, you know, if you want to, uh, to work on those ideas in the best way possible, uh, we, we thought that, yeah, it was the right time to, to find a partner that could, uh, you know, support us. We are growing, um, extremely fast at the time and we still are. Sure. <laughs> do things properly. We, we thought, yeah, let, let's find the, the right partner. And at the same time, uh, we, we had the chance to meet with SPE, to meet with the board, to meet with uh, Patrick and that, uh, well, that this is history, but uh, no, no, after a lot of discussion, uh, we could see the fit. We could see the, the, the excitement, you know, uh, uh, increasing over and over after each discussion. As you said, uh, SP and 3 Natives are very similar in their approach in terms of content production, in terms of uh, the, the events we, we, we organize, uh, the, the networking side of it. And, you know, also about, you know, having this world community uh, gathering together, being able to, to connect to each other. So we, yeah, we, we relied on, on all of this and very naturally we came up to the very exciting idea of collaborating and, uh, and uh, yeah, moving to the next step. And why do you think, we think that it's a, a great fit. We see how it's a good fit. We've been, you know, members of SPE for a long time. How do you guys see it as a, as a good fit? Well, there are many, many, many things that excite us about SPE. From the very beginning, there's been a lot of respect about SPE's history and overall impact in the world of plastics and manufacturing altogether. It is it has always made sense for us to to have a strategic partnership of that level, you know, with someone that has had that level of impact. But then also as we go to learn more about SPE and not just the brand, but also the people behind the brand, the structure, how it is run, our philosophies are very much aligned. You know, the the fact that we want to provide this information, this education, we want to help the world, right? And contribute our two cents towards changing this world, hopefully for the best. You know, uh, upon conversations, it became more and more evident that, hey, you know, we're, we're aiming at the same thing. We might as well do it together. And that's where we are now, a bit over a month after the announcement of this acquisition. And well, it's literally chapter one of this new book, right? So there's a lot to be done moving forward. Yeah, we're just genuinely, genuinely very, very excited. Well, I know uh, we're super jazzed too. And when this episode comes out, it'll be coming out April 7th. So unfortunately, we can't put the announcement out there that if you're going to Antec, we should try and meet up with you guys. I will be at Antec. I will meet up with you guys. Look for me by the food table. But, but we're really grateful to have you guys on here today. We're so excited about all the potential that's available. Also, we're probably going to send you, uh, especially Mercedes, we'll send you obnoxious, hey, what do you know about this email? Um, <laughs> so just get ready for that. Oh, please do. Please do. And, just expect uh, the same from us. Oh, Absolutely. we're in. Especially if it's injection mode, like I got you. <laughs> uh, it's anything with color or yeah, there we go. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on here, guys, and look forward to everything great that you know our companies are going to do together. Likewise, you too. Thank you very much for having us. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Skidmore, and I'd like to share with you SPE certificate in leadership. In this program, participants learn about essential leadership and management principles, such as organizational culture, financial intelligence, strategic planning 
planning, innovation, and more. They learn how to apply strategies and tools to their team, their department, and organization. This program is unique because participants will be learning alongside a cohort of other folks within the plastics industry through this virtual offering. I invite you to visit 4SPE.org to learn more about the certificate in leadership and to apply for an upcoming cohort. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. So either follow or subscribe to get those new episodes ASAP. Plastics, the Voices of Resin is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, inspiring plastics professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. Oh, plastics.